if a cowboy film comes out, we don't ask questions of like, oh, why are they making another cowboy film? We're like, yeah, awesome, more cowboys, more guns, more horses. When it comes to Chinese American film, we get asked like, oh, why are you making a film? Because Bao already exists. Why don't we get to tell our story about Asian Americans or from our perspective, but also go beyond that and tell our stories about our humanity? Welcome back to another episode of The Curative Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Sutarji, and my guests today are Amy and Dixon of Animon Studios. After a successful Kickstarter campaign, Amy and Dixon are leading a team of creatives to develop their animated short, Let's Eat, an Asian American story revolving around food and family. In this episode, we talk about building a team that you can trust to get the job done, handling harsh feedback, and how everyone should have an opportunity to tell their story. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Before we get to the episode, I just wanted to say thank you for everyone who is watching the podcast on YouTube and listening to the episodes on all the podcast apps. There are many other ways to support the podcast. A few are to rate and write a review on iTunes. If you got value from the episode, you can share it with a friend and you can email me at hello at kevinsutarji.com and tell me your story about which episode resonated with you. Also, when I announce my guest for the episode on Instagram and ask for questions, you can DM me your question for my guest. Lastly, you can subscribe and be part of the notification squad by opting in on getting notified on YouTube or any podcast app whenever a new episode is released. Thank you and enjoy the show. Amy Dixon, thank you for coming to my podcast. No problem. Thanks of for course. having us. Having, yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah. So it's been how long since we last saw each other? When did you guys uh, release your Kickstarter? I actually recently got an email saying happy anniversary from Kicks, uh, Kickstarter about uh, successfully funding our, our thing wow. on September 8th. Okay. Yeah, so it's been oh, maybe a, a year and two months yeah, since yeah. we met up. I think but way more than that, like a year and a half because we took a while to create that video. Yeah, for so. sure. And and we were in talks for a long time. I mean, Corinne mm-hmm. like, introduced us a while back and yeah. had to do some filming and all of that. Um, that, yeah. that was really fun. Like, that was my first Kickstarter. Oh, cool. oh really? That's my only Kickstarter video, actually. <laughs> well, it, I mean, it worked because we raised um, 155% yeah. percent of our Kickstarter. Yeah, so if we didn't thank you, thank you so much. No, no, yeah, you guys did. You. Congratulations. Like, so. it's all you guys. Your, your guys' story is amazing. Like, obviously, when I heard the story from Corinne, um, it really resonated with me. Mm-hmm. And obviously, well, I, I think I told you guys, like, I love food. So, so it's, yeah, exactly. So it's, it's really perfect. And, um, you know, from what I remember, like you guys talking about, like food is such an integral part of our lives, especially mm-hmm. with our family, with our parents and all of that. And so um, I, I was really touched by your guys' story. And oh. if you guys want to talk more about your story, about Animon Studios and all of that, like feel free. Sure. Yeah, go ahead, Jason. I guess should we start with the the studio part of things? Yeah, I mean, you guys can talk about your your history with yourselves first, and then how you guys met and how you guys came up with the idea. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I can go over that super go quick. Go for it. Uh, so for me, I actually graduated from com- uh, from UC Berkeley with a computer science degree, and I went into tech. Uh, then I learned that I did not like tech. <laughs> <laughs> and decided I wanted to do something more uh, impactful. So I decided to pursue animation 
and that's when I took some classes at uh, the night classes at San Francisco State University, and that's where I met Dixon. Depending on what you really want to do, right. it, it software engineering might not be, or like being in tech is not really probably your strong suit or like what you're interested in, right? Yeah. Um, and maybe you're into more of telling a certain story versus right. like just working on someone else's dream of like making more money. You know? Yeah, exactly. For sure. Okay, and how about you, um, Dixon? Yeah, so similar story to Amy. Um, this is kind of my second career. So um, I was uh, kind of working at a, a t-shirt shop for quite a while, for nine years, and felt uh, it was time to move on and chase a dream. That's what it was. And I met her at school, and that's that was the beginning, I think, of us working together and realizing, oh, man, like we make a pretty good team. Do you guys work on like projects or anything beforehand? Mm-hmm. Before Let's Eat, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, we did, yeah, because the classes were not great, <laughs> <laughs> and so I think we basically made our own curriculum mm. of like you know designing our own projects that would like accelerate our growth as artists, mm-hmm. uh, and it kind of just blew up from there. That's good. Yeah, and it was was it just you two initially. That start like got together, did a lot of projects together, and then started Endemon Studios. It was me, and then I asked two of the people. Then I asked Dixon, oh, okay, at the join, and mm-hmm. yeah, and so and then two of them kind of fell out. Oh, uh, yeah, which is unfortunate. They were great people, um, but then yeah, here we are. And so, how did Let's Eat story come about? That's good. Um, sure, I'll take this. Um, let's see. So I think we, Amy and I worked on a project and we showed up to CTN with that project and we got some good feedback. Uh, one particular feedback was really powerful. It was from Tonko House and they basically said, oh, you guys should keep going or can't wait to hear about the next one. And at the time, Amy and I didn't have any plans to make an, a new one. We just were like, we're just going to do our own thing, find a job, you know. Get paid. Get paid. But it was so inspiring that... You know, we looked at each other after their like meeting with them. I was like, do you want to make another one? And they were like, yes, let's make another one. And then, all right, what should it be about? And I remember brainstorming on that very day, that very day. And then Amy was like, you know what? That Nirvana feeling when you get when you eat food, that that feeling. It's like I want to make a story about that because you know, she loves, loves food. I apparently. Yeah. Um, we all love food. All yeah. the food. Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to find something that like connected all of us, and food was it. We like, we bonded a lot over mm-hmm. food. So it, for the audience that don't know about Let's Eat's story, like, could you explain more about what the story is about? Let's Eat, I would say the logline or you know synopsis of it is that it is about a Chinese immigrant mother and her Chinese American born daughter. And it is their story of growing together and then growing apart. And I think the themes of it is obviously the Chinese American experience. Uh, food and family um but there's also like you know the whole theme of taking your parents for granted and regret and you know life getting in the way mm-hmm. yeah as a film as a whole i would say uh, someone put it in such a great way it's like kind of like a meditation on life cool and that was me so to get your animation short off the ground i'm assuming that you guys had to work with a lot of other people how did you find your other team members to get this project off the ground 
it's, it's a funny story because when we first started, we thought that this film would be only um, about 30 seconds. You right. know, it would take us maybe 10 people in total. We would be done in six months. <laughs> and now, you know, almost three years down the line, 144 people about. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. 144 people. Damn. I don't think that's an updated count either. You're, um, you're part of the number. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, oh, thank is you. Is he, actually? <laughs> well, everybody who touched the, the film yeah, is should, on the list. Yeah, which put that on the list. You're on the list. <laughs> yeah, you're on the list. So <laughs> maybe, yeah. So about, about over 144 people. Um, there's a lot of things that we just did not anticipate. Mm-hmm. And But in terms of how we grew as a team, like at first it was like, we asked a friend to like, hey, do a Facebook post to find a composer. Right. And through that, uh, the person's like, hey, do you need a 3D model? Or like, why not? And mm-hmm. then there, then he added, you know, three, four other people. And then they added, you know, their friends. It was like a word of mouth. I see. I see. Yeah. And then, um, and then other ways that we connected people was through, um, was like conventions online friends of friends uh i have friends at pixar mm-hmm. uh, so they like contacted their friends and through schools as well mm-hmm. yeah one thing that the kickstarter and we had a website was done really well i think that really helped people when they saw our project they're like oh i want to be part of this immediately because like they i think they they felt the themes just through the website and the kickstarter alone Oh, yeah. that's great. Yeah. yeah. And people are like, oh, I want to work for this. And like, you don't know the story yet. And like, no, I, I, you know, I, yeah. they know it somehow. So then, you know, there's probably a lot of interest that is coming to you guys, right? Um, but then how do you guys filter out who you want to work with? How do you know if they're going to mesh well with you guys mm-hmm. as well as the other teams? We should talk about the composing story. <laughs> well, <laughs> you can talk about the composing okay. story. <laughs> so I wanted to compose for this because, you know. Uh, like music. Yeah, I okay. did. Um, uh, but b- being directing, it's a lot of work, and Amy was like, "You can't, you can't do it. It's too much." And I was very, pretty it. stubborn about it. Yeah. And basically, I wanted. Uh, I told her, "Well, if you get somebody, this person has to be at least like like a lot better than what I can do, or like at least equal." Then I'm I'm willing to let it go. Yeah. You know. I think I went through like ten composers. Yeah, like I just kept on showing him one after another and he was like, No, 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 no. And I was just like, oh, I'm not gonna find anyone. <laughs> he secretly just wanted to sabotage your yeah. interviewing <laughs> no, process. I pretty much it because I kept on reminding him, I was like, Dixon, you absolutely cannot compose. He's like, But I want to. I was like, No, you cannot. So, um, so where do you look for all these people? Um, well, in the case of our composer Max Lowe, oh, so talented. Uh mm-hmm. I found him through a friend of a friend. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, I think it was Rachel who I asked to do a Facebook post. And then it was his sister that said, my brother's an amazing composer. And I was like, show me his stuff. I see. And so then when I heard his stuff, I think it was like Mattress, um, one of his songs. And I showed it to Dixon and he was just like, it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's good. So yeah, technology, social media. I think a lot of people came from Instagram too. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Like Catherine Ho. Wait, uh, is that what? Public? Is that yeah? Why oh, okay. not? Oh yeah, we should talk talk about that one then. Yeah, Catherine Ho. Um, yeah, she no. is so. If you've watched Crazy Rich Asians and there's that cover of Yellow at the end, um, Catherine Ho sang that song. Oh okay. And 
one of our production coordinators, Julian, reached out. Well, it was like he suggested to me. He like sent me a screenshot of like, here's her Instagram. Her email's here. Email her. And I was just like, what are the chances that she's going to respond to me? And probably not. So I might as well try, though. And I did. And I remember, like, I think a week or so, two weeks later, like, I get an email from her, and I just, like, yell in the studio really loud. <laughs> oh, my God, Catherine responded to me. And that was pretty exciting. And she sang for our film. That's so crazy. I, I feel like a lot of people are too scared to take chances. Yeah. You know, sometimes there are opportunities like that that sound pretty impossible. But you might as well do it, right? Yeah. It, it doesn't hurt. The, the worst right. case is probably they don't answer. Yeah. Or they say no right yeah and so uh, it's cool that you did it and now you have a song you know mm-hmm. from her that's that's really cool ha- have you guys like reached out to a lot of people and gotten a lot of rejections or were you guys like you know like were because it seems like okay you're not you weren't afraid to to send out oh, that no, email. i was definitely scared you're scared like, but you did it i did it because i was just like what's the worst that could happen right right and and were you used to that rejection um all the you know very often to be honest, I, I don't think we've reached out to too many people. Oh, okay. Yeah, but... I think Julian, you know, and them did, you know, on LinkedIn and right. responding to people. I think there are plenty of people, yeah, I, our, I think our list of people that, like, didn't work out is bigger than our list of people that we actually interviewed. Right, and, and, and that that happens all the time for everyone, right? Like, when I look for clients for my videos, I reach out to a ton of businesses mm-hmm. and, like, I probably have, like, 10 no's to one yes. Yeah. And, and, and it's crazy, but... Um, I, I was really scared of like reaching out to people, like being kind of vulnerable and saying like, yes, I'm looking for clients, so I'm looking for a business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, and initially when I started, like I didn't have a lot of stuff. Like when I worked with you guys, I don't think I had a lot of videos out um, working with a lot of people. Yeah. So but I, you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Like we really liked you and you were like, like friends. Yeah. You're like, hell yeah. I yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, I, I only did a few videos relating to like interviewing and mm-hmm. like what I did for you guys um was not as good as what i can do now it's like that's what growth is for though right? exactly yeah and so I, I feel like um you know when when you try to reach out to a lot of people you learn from all of those no's right and you try mm-hmm. to refine your your requests to like work together and create business and stuff like that yeah so that i mean that's cool that you you still reached out even though you weren't sure yeah. she was going to say yes mm-hmm. i think what helps me when it comes to those like i don't see them as rejections anymore in terms of because like I feel like rejection it's like too personal. Okay. Because like I feel like you know they have their lives and what they're going through and you don't know right of why they said no why they didn't respond or something like that. That's so like, true. I can't like assume like oh they said no to me because like I'm like worthless or like right, right. like they don't have time for me or something like so I don't see it as rejection it's sort of like oh we just didn't align. Yeah, it's timing too. Timing too, yeah. yeah. For sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, actually, what what I've been. I guess what I've been hearing recently is that like there are people who have a certain goal, right? Mm-hmm. And if other people like have requests to work with them and it doesn't really fit into their goal, like you shouldn't take it personally when they say no. And exactly how you were saying, like they they have something that they're focusing on and they can't do anything else. They can't right. be too distracted. Timing might be off or, you know, they're too busy or something. So, yeah, I mean, it, that's a great attitude for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's... It keeps me sane. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> for sure. So then for, for the team that you guys have, like, where is everyone located? And, like, how do you guys communicate with them? Wow. Uh, I think we just counted recently. We have mm-hmm. people working in 17 countries. 
Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, in North America, so Canada, United States, obviously. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then in South America, in Asia, um, mm-hmm. and then in Europe. Yeah. And, and how come you guys decided to work with people outside of the U.S. or even outside of the Bay Area? Like, why were you guys down to do remote work with remote people? I think out of necessity. Okay. <laughs> and I think just people like because when I think we really started to go international when we went onto this website called Artella, uh, and we posted our project like, hey, we have this project, we need these people, uh, come work with us. And we got a lot of responses, like Artem from Russia, that's how he found us. Uh, Ciro from, I think, from Colombia or something like that. Uh, wow, I think I'm so from sorry, Argentina. Ciro. Argentina, <laughs> yeah. maybe Argentina, yeah. But we have people from Colombia, Argentina. Uh, I think there was someone in Chile. Uh, and then I think some other friends, like friends of friends, like Joan is in uh, Malaysia. Uh, no, Indonesia. Wilson's in Malaysia. Cool. Um, so it's kind of, and also a lot of our teammates uh, went to AAU, Academy of Art University, and a lot of them are on OPT. What is that? Uh, I basically, it's for international students and basically like a visa, I think, for them to stay in the country while mm. after they graduate. And it's like a time period where like on your OPT, you have a year to find a job here. Oh, I see. And if you don't, you have to go back. Mm-hmm. So some of my teammates sadly had to go back because... Uh, they couldn't find jobs here, but they still work on this project. They're so nice. Yeah. yeah. yeah How do you awesome. keep in contact with all of them? Slack. Slack. Yeah. Or like instant messaging, uh, Facebook, email, uh, but mostly Slack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, you're the producer, right? And then mm-hmm. Dixon, you're the director. So as the producer, I'm assuming you're coordinating with a lot of people. How, how do you make sure people are in, uh, making their deadlines and like making sure that the, the workflow is just smooth between one one part to another? That's, a, that's like a heavy question. It's <laughs> uh, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. Also having an amazing management team, like shout out to my, uh, I call them head honchos. Uh, because they they manage a bunch of people like mm-hmm. so I manage them and then they manage like the other you know 100 people right mm-hmm. uh, or so on production um, but the way I think a lot of it has to do with culture okay. like what we expect because our gig is like 98% volunteer right and so mm-hmm. and a lot of these people are students or recent graduates even professionals and I think culturally the way we run things right because they're not getting paid we can't force them mm-hmm. to create amazing work or whatever uh and so it's kind of like we have to give them the benefit of the doubt i think the reason why people work with us is one we have a great story story two i think we're a great group of people but i think mostly three we actually care about each person as an individual when we interview people we ask them what are your dreams what do you want to do what are your goals and how can we help you reach that? Mm-hmm. Uh, like one example is like one of our, oh, she's so talented. Um, she it was a key light artist and she said like, I want to see how my work influences uh, the animation down uh, the pipeline downstream. And we're like, okay, well, we'll try our best. And then one of us came up with the genius idea of like, well, what if she led the lighting team and gave them notes on lights even though she's technically not a cgi artist she has the eye for it she has like a 
amazing guy. And so now that's what she does. And we're super grateful. And she's like learning a lot. So, you know, I think with that and like when we keep that in mind with people, I think that really motivates them to meet deadlines and push themselves as artists, you know, because they're super passionate. And we basically just give them this platform and this amazing film to work on. And they kind of just carry through. Yeah, you, you don't have to do much. Yeah, that's that's great because you, you guys talk you talk about culture and um, you know how do you, how do you make sure that you're keeping the culture within everybody you know within your whole team. So because you, you know you were saying that you're making sure that one one person that you know one team member is um, you're making sure that their interests are being fulfilled right like there's so many people in your team how do you make sure that everyone is keeping like being happy like how do you make sure that everyone's happy within the team happy doing their work and everything like that you can't always guarantee everyone's going to be happy uh with what they're doing um or like keep them motivated life happens all the time (laughs) (laughs) they're like things get in the way um like i had this one person where i think i we interviewed her and the day we actually like brought her on to do work she actually just emailed us like i can't keep on working with you my father got in the car accident we're like oh shit <laughs> oh, <laughs> shit like yeah uh like you know i'm so sorry like let us know if we can do anything um but in terms of happiness i think the most you can do is check on them mm-hmm. um see if they're doing okay and you know ask them for their opinion and see what you can do to improve sure. and for those who are brave enough to be vulnerable and actually say their concerns we try our best to address them uh otherwise i don't know just keep doing our thing sure and i think for the, for the most part when people join our team you know they want to do what they signed up for right yeah yeah so like they're an animator and they hey i want to animate for you guys it's like well all right animate and then they're usually pretty pretty stoked cool that's their dream so like all right go ahead yeah, so, so Dixon, what do you do mm-hmm. in part of this whole development process, like as director? Um, you mean just the process of making the film? Yeah. Sure, uh, I would say the main thing I do is just to make sure all the departments um, are, w- whatever work they're creating is, is aligned with the, the vision of the film. Mm-hmm. So, uh, which means, you know, every department, let's say modeling, does this model look like it lives in the world? And it, it tells a story, and then texturing. Does this color look right? Does you know is the style right? All the to animation and, and lighting. So, so are you the kind of are you the guy that really signs off of each model? Pretty much, yeah. Sorry, I, I don't we know. We do the have terms. No, yeah. <laughs> uh, we do have um, in our team. We call them creative leads, and mm-hmm. um, they are the ones that actually uh, work with the departments, and then. I work with the creative leads to make sure everything looks like part of the vision. Okay. Yeah. So was there any difficulty throughout the whole process, the whole development phase for you guys at like with whether it's working with people or, you know, technology or anything like that? I would say mostly technology. (laughs) I think that's where technology was tough. And then mental stuff was pretty, I mean, mentally, I think, uh, we had some screenings where oh, yeah. we can talk about the screenings where sure. we got really kind of kind of destroyed, <laughs> but that's good, right? Oh, it's like, could you explain a little bit more yeah. about that? Um, 
you want do you want to sure. explain this? Yeah. Um, so there is this thing that people do for films and stuff where they do test screenings. They right. you know, see how well our film does to like the mass audience, right? So right, we're like, right. oh, let's try to emulate this and do it ourselves. So we did. We did about seven of them. Like shared it to about over fifty people. Uh, people that sometimes we just didn't even know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I remember our second screening uh, after, well, we had our first one, which like we got critique. It's like awesome. We're like, yeah, but now we know what to do and make this better. And then we'll be done with this thing in no time. The mm-hmm. second screening comes around and we show our new animatic and we get obliterated with critiques. Like it was a very harsh, negative, negative criticism session. Like we were just being... Yeah, it's like it was a slug But it's yeah. good though. I mean, you, you, we kind of you need to hear these things. Yeah, there's know? like a lot of opinions that were like, oh, like why is the character doing this way? Oh, it's like it seems like this should be a feature film. You like why is the mom not a tiger mom? Why is the character like so such a jerk? Uh, why is the mom so perfect? But there was just like so many issues with our with our characters and our story. And I think after that we were so demoralized. Like oh, like I remember Dixon saying like, is our story even worth telling? Right, and and were these people your friends, or were they just random people that were giving these feedbacks? Mostly random. Okay. Uh, some so of them are friends, friends. Are... like like friends are friends, basically. Mm. Yeah, that were coming in. And so, what? How did you guys deal with it? In terms of during, we just kind of sucked it up, but then afterwards, I think that's like when we had like the the emotional hangover of like, oh, this is worth it. And but the way I think. I suggested is that I suggested to Dixon take a two week break and not think about this and then we'll come back and his version of taking a break was okay I won't think about the film but I'll read an entire book about how to write a story <laughs> <laughs> okay and I was just like that's not a break for sure okay I'm not because I tried to convince him otherwise and he wasn't having it so I was just like alright I'll just let Dixon do his thing as long as he's not working or thinking about the film sure and it turned out to be one of the best things that he did because he learned so much and he was throughout his break always excitedly texting me like I learned this thing today and I'm like oh that's so cool just get, yeah just like make sure you're taking it easy and we come back and we look at our storyboards and all our post notes and we tear it all down and we basically we drew and wrote up what the film is today yeah so we threw oh, wow. down, we threw away like, like I don't know four or five months of work just start over yeah all completely down. Start from scratch again. Yeah. And was it, um, were you guys taking the feedback from the second screening? Or was it just no. more of like, I think we kept that in mind, scratch? but like we didn't focus it too much because okay. I think a big lesson that we learned was like, yeah, you can take people's like thoughts and stuff, but like at the end of the day, if you know what you want to tell, stick true to that and take people's other thoughts with a grain of salt, but remember what, what story that you want to tell. And keep, yeah. Yeah. It's a, pretty much what what she said <laughs> yeah i mean um the second screening had a lot of uh like solutions and stuff like that and how to how to make it better and but in their opinion right and not necessarily but they didn't know what we wanted to tell yeah so since i mean if that's one like tip for all the other uh story writers out there it's like if, if you do take everybody's solutions it doesn't become yours it becomes their film so um, but it is important to listen to what they're saying because if they're saying something, it means there's something wrong with that part of the story. They may not have the answer, but they have this feeling that you know that you should listen to. 
And and one thing yeah. that I I've read or maybe li- watched on YouTube or something was about taking feedback. And like there are two types of people that give feedback. One is that um, these are they're people who you know see uh, for you guys the animation short animated animated short, and then they like say oh I think the story should go this way. I think it should go this way. And they're not aligned with your vision. Where other feedback is like they understand your vision. And then they're just giving tweak or giving suggestions about mm-hmm. like how do you improve it in a way that still stays to your vision. So in your case, in, in your case, your vision is your story, right? Right. So I think you know when when I do my videos, like if I have it in a style that I I like, and they're trying to say, oh, you should add way more transitions, or you should add this, add that. It's like, well, my style is kind of more minimalist. Is more like just like. I want to show the tell the story in a, without too many transitions. Maybe I'll have a few here and there, but once you add too many transitions, it's not my video anymore, right? Yeah. And it's the same for you guys, right? Yeah, exactly. So you, yeah, taking it for a grain of salt, like um, picking and choosing which feedback you should listen to, and see which one gives the return of investment is like the way I think of it now. Yeah. And it's hard to d- differentiate like what's you know what's good and bad. So it, that was a skill to learn. Mm-hmm. That yeah, was that was a really good. important lesson. And and so after that second screening, you had five more. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. And how did those go? Much, Much better. better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess we didn't take things as personally, or like you know, we took it with the grain of salt. Yeah. And it like we were able to choose because I think after the second screening, like we really grounded ourselves in terms of our logline, the goal we wanted, and we also realized that our film was also evolving as we were exploring the story. Which was actually kind of beautiful. Like we kind yeah. of grew with our characters, and also I feel like as an individual, I also feel like I grew a lot in terms of knowing. I guess this is so cheesy, but like figuring out like who I was and like what the story meant to me and what I wanted to tell through it. So, so you're saying that the story, the story that's happening now, that the story that you guys are making now is totally different from what you guys had at the Kickstarter. Uh, no, but I think in terms of its depth and like what we were trying to go for, like we found more depth. Right. I think that's just... exactly. Okay. No, no, no. Like, um, it's the same heart, but it's yeah. deeper. Oh, I like that. It's like, it's, there's more depth yeah. to it. There's this thing that you always say where like, you know, the first draft has like the most passion or the most soul, right? Most heart. Yeah. Yeah. The most heart. And then the journey is like when you, but it doesn't make any sense. You're just like, this is a bunch of gibberish. Uh, and so, like, the journey is basically, like, basically dissolving it and then trying to rebuild it again. And if you are lucky, you can make a story where you have, where it makes sense and it has that same heart from mm-hmm. the first draft. Oh, interesting. We wrote five or four or five treatments, right? Just treatments alone. And then we went through, like, about 1,800 post-it notes of, like, drawings and stuff. Changing. It's little, you know, those yellow things. Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember. Eighteen thousand. Like, oh, eight, oh, sorry. Eighteen hundred. Wow, eighteen thousand. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, Hands off. It's like Pixar level. <laughs> um, and then actually, they would do hundreds of thousands. But anyways, um, and then there were seven animatics. Yeah, and that took about a year. <laughs> <laughs> so, I um, I'm always interested in like. You guys are working on a year-long project or, you know, longer. Almost, it's almost three years now. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> like, just multi-year project. Yeah, that's that's crazy, right? It like, is. For, for me, I work on a project, maybe, it might take me a few weeks. 
at most like i've never yeah, done more cute. than like i know right <laughs> I, f- I feel so like lame now <laughs> like no, 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 no it's, it's the nature it's, of animation it's, it's super, yeah it's yeah, just yeah. Animation, so. it's, 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 it's a lot of work experience you I, create great work oh thank you thank you no I, I, what i'm trying to say i guess is that like you know for me um i like to work on a project i like to finish it and i'm kind of done um how do you guys keep that passion for that project because working on a project for multiple years sometimes you might get tired you might like you you might find other interests and stuff and so how do you continue on to that path and how do you you know make sure that everyone else is as excited as they were before or as close to excited as they were when they first started as this journey continues there's like things like that second screening like we're so low but then i think we like grew stronger from that experience Mm-hmm. Um, and just like solidifying like why we believed in it in the in the beginning, and then there's like a lot of experiences like that that we keep going where like it solidifies like I believe in this vision or in this story in this film, and I'm just gonna keep going. Um, then there's things that you know where we do get burnt out or something, but then um, there are people who joined the film like Chris. Like, I think we were feeling pretty low from the second screening, but then Chris comes in and he has like all this passion and this momentum. And I think we just like really drew in that, like this absorbed energy from his aura and like that motivated us again. So I think a big part of keeping going is our teammates. Yeah. Yeah. Our teammates helped us keep going and made us believe in ourselves more than I think we ever would have. Yeah. Sometimes you feel you know you feel alone in this and then you know you met it felt alone but we have a whole team of support we have a whole whole team of support and you don't have to do this alone yeah yeah and i really appreciate our team our teammates yeah, yeah that's very nice uh i'll admit like when i do my podcast like i was telling you guys earlier i release every week and sometimes it gets really stressful sometimes like people are, are i don't get really bad feedback but people are like you know oh the the lighting sucks or you have too you know i have too many filler words and i you know like they make fun of like not really make fun of me but they they make comments that Mm -hmm. i've become more self-conscious about and i get a little discouraged and Mm -hmm. sometimes like even before i started this i was like i don't really want to be in front of the camera like when i was what i was doing for the kickstarter for you guys like i was behind the camera and Mm -hmm. i was interviewing you guys i wasn't on camera i didn't have to worry about how I look, how I sound, blah, blah, blah. And, um, like a lot of, but then again, there were a lot of people who were really supportive and like giving me advice and encouragement to like, make sure that I do this podcast without worrying about what other people were thinking. So I I think that it's nice to get that support. It's nice to kind of like have people that are positive around you. Because if you have people that are always negative, it's, it's not like, it's not healthy. Right? Yeah. If you keep mostly positive, it's good. But those negatives are good too because it uh, it strength, strengthens your resolve. Oh, and, you know, it makes you question, like, you know, uh, imposter syndrome, like, it's, like, terrible if it gets super overwhelming. But at the oh, same time, sure. imposter syndrome also challenges you, like, why are you doing this? And then so then you, uh, then you answer that question, like, I am doing this because blah. So when you have those experience of people like, oh, you're, you have too many filler words or like, oh, like you're lying shit, 
like you can be like oh man i'm gonna prove you wrong and i'm gonna get better and i'm gonna learn you know or be like my lighting's great because it's like this is exactly what i want and so and then that makes you like believe in yourself more sure yeah, yeah I, I think the um as long as the feedback is constructive even mm-hmm. if it's like a negative feedback is at least it's constructive and in a way where they want to help you out right. versus just like saying you suck <laughs> you know you're and you know if they say yeah, like your animation suck your story sucks just, like it's not just drop that person exactly just that like, leave i guess them, leave them behind <laughs> i guess that's the that's what i meant by like the negative oh, negative yeah. people like if people are not there to help you they're just making comments it's, right. it's not worth it you know no yeah yeah so it's, it's cool that your team members are even helping you guys as co-founders of animal studios like yeah. like helping you guys continue on and having that support system is something that i'm actually trying to look for within my community like i don't have a lot of people working with me on these things but um you know when i meet other videographers or other artists and stuff like it's cool to you know talk about our struggles and then like help support each other and stuff Mm -hmm. like that yeah Yeah. you need a shoulder to lean on for sure sometimes amy and i are just like "Uh." and then our our management says it's okay guys yeah it's okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah our team is great so how do you guys um, make sure that you guys are both aligned with um, your development and like the anime, the short, basically? We talk every day. Every every uh, week we were we're supposed to. We're, we're okay at it. Um, we, we must love Kate, but we have a, a milestones meeting where we look at this graph of where we're supposed to be and we talk about each department mm-hmm. um, and review like where we're at. Uh, what resources we need, if we're okay, if the team morale is good, uh, things like that. How do you how do you keep that in check? Like, what do you guys use to measure that? Um, so the graph that we look is very very high level, and so we don't really look at dates and stuff. We look at it on the monthly basis. Mm-hmm. Um, but then uh, what I do is, and what he does as well, is that he talks with the production coordinators, and so do I in terms of. Um, where they are at because each production coordinator uh is in charge of like creating schedule and like when things are due and things like that um and we check in with them to make sure that they're in line and if they're not aligned with the goals then we have to reevaluate our our resources and make sure we're uh, on time so in terms of like uh, technologies or strategies on keeping everything organized what do you guys use do you guys use like google drive do you guys use like have you heard of Airtable or trello or anything like that so yeah we use trello for a lot of tr- uh, tracking our task management and stuff because it's very complicated with animation especially when you have multiple departments working on top of each other definitely yeah and then we use slack as a mean of communication and we use google drive to keep track of a lot of our documentation a lot of documentation um, yeah. And what kind of documentations do you guys have? Uh, for our production coordinators, our PCs, we use a lot of Excel sheets, a lot of Word documents, um, a lot of PowerPoints, or for our tech leads and our creative leads, we use a lot of PowerPoint and documentation to keep track of like the visuals of what we're trying to achieve. And uh, we also use Dropbox a lot to keep track mm-hmm. of a lot of our like uh, visual uh, references and stuff that artists can refer to. So... I'm assuming that because you guys have a decently sized team, you guys have to pay for all of like all the services like Dropbox, Google Drive. Is that right? Google Drive, no. We got 
can deal or trello even right because like you have a oh you even if you guys have a lot of members we max out the board it's like nine boards i think it's not by members yet by boards oh yeah Yeah. so we just max out the boards and then people just create it individually yeah we're scrappy that's one thing that that i want to say i'm pretty proud of like this like uh i think like we're pretty frugal in that respect Yeah, very, very frugal. Yeah, we try to well, be as frugal free. as possible. Yeah. yeah, Dropbox was a very recent acquisition, actually, because we just got additional funding uh, so that we could pay for Dropbox. Okay. Uh, but beforehand, we were actually using this platform called Nimble Collective, and they sponsored all of our data storage, render farm, and licenses. Okay. So Slack, we're using the free version of Slack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We. Yeah. yeah we. We. Always, I always get emails about like you reached like your 10k limit oh, or whatever, right, right. and I'm and just like. Or something. <sighs> yeah. So then, um, how do you guys make sure that you keep everything organized? Who's the most organized out of? Okay. <laughs> so how do you make sure that everyone else is organized? Because uh... some people are are gonna be like, oh, you know, I don't really care about Trellos. Like, I don't care about keeping my tasks in the right column to say whether it's in the to-do and the in progress or done right like Mm. how do you make sure that everyone's still doing that um well now i'm like so high level that i don't manage that stuff Uh, my production coordinators do uh but i think generally the idea is that if you set a system where they you minimize the disorganization uh people tend to be it works out pretty nicely. Yeah, so I'm I'm part of a, a dance studio. Uh-huh. Um, I'm a videographer for the dance studio, right. and basically, like we have like this Airtable is similar to Trello, but it is more of like an Excel spreadsheet, mm-hmm. and we like change statuses and all that. And mm-hmm. sometimes we don't keep up with that, right. and so like you know, we the communication is kind of off because like some of these statuses actually help tell people like oh this is ready for post-production or this is you know after filming something this is ready mm-hmm. for post-production after post-production is really for, ready for release or something like that so we still have a hard time even with a small team of trying to um, keep that in order but I think one thing that we try to do is like stay in communication through slack mm-hmm. and like um what you were saying like minimizing ways for people to kind of stay yeah so like you'll have like your drop down option or like you can only choose like you know not start it in progress final or right, like review right. or something right yeah and and try to have things more like automated like have templates and all of that right yeah That's so yeah cool. a person on our team who like basically try to automate the entire data storage or data like input thing mm-hmm. as possible so like because we have a bunch of excel sheets where they're all connected together. Oh, that's good. And like, you know, in terms of like the frame count and everything. And so then I think people realize that their information that's in their Excel sheet influences other ones. And so that encourages them to update their stuff. Mm. Also having like, percentage countage or like progress made like people want to see that go up oh that's so that's like a good they idea. like like update it pretty often. Oh, very cool. Yeah. So in terms of the Kickstarter, like, um, how did you guys make sure that the funding was reached because um i guess there's so many kickstarter campaigns right Mm -hmm. like how did you make sure that a lot of people were able to find your kickstarter page and all of that um actually uh the stats say that 70 percent of the money is probably going to come from your support so 
we basically, I mean, for myself, let family, friends know what I'm doing, what I'm up to. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's just numbers. But we actually got a lot of people that we didn't know Mm -hmm. um, done it to to us. So that was a surprise. That's why we we went over our our goal. Yeah, I I feel like uh, when it comes to talking about money uh, with your loved ones, with your friends and all that is kind of... uh, it's kind of scary. It's like you're walking on ice. Yeah. Well, I, I think if we just tell them what you're up to, you know, yeah. oh, I'm doing this, and then a lot of uh, my family members they donated. I didn't even ask them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because, because they want to see you succeed. So. Yeah. 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 My strategy was like to talk to as many people as possible about what I do, and then just like lightly mention I'm doing a Kickstarter in like July. Mm-hmm. And then I just like leave it at that. I don't ask them to donate. I'm just like we're planning to do a Kickstarter, and most people actually like offer like, oh man, like let me know when you like post it, send it to me. Like I'm really bad at responding, but like please, like email me and don't be afraid to ask. And mm-hmm. I was just like, wow, that's like you know, most people are very very generous. It was very nice of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I don't remember what your timeline was in completing the project. How close are you guys with the timeline? from the Kickstarter days? We were severely delayed because of something that happened in the production that was out of control. Uh, but Which happens, happens you know, once in a while, right? Yeah, yeah, it happens once in a while. Yeah, this is pretty <laughs> um, epic proportion, though. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, but we are now slated to finish our film uh, in December of 2019, oh. uh, though I think we're going to just finish in January 2020 on the technicality so that we can fit, submit to more film festivals. Okay, and that's that's actually pretty soon. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's September 2019. Yeah. <laughs> We're like four months out. Crunch time. Four, five, yeah, five, six months out. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Cool. So I guess the next topic I really wanted to talk about was Bao, <laughs> right? From, from Disney, the Disney short. And I know, Amy, you said that you really wanted to talk about this. <laughs> Um, I wanted to know what you guys' thought process were for when that came out and how to how it made you get made you feel, Amy, how it made you feel, Dixon. Maybe I'll go first and then yeah, you can you follow up. Yeah, you okay. should go first. Okay, so um so yeah, I think uh um when we heard that Bad was coming out, I think it was like two or almost uh, one and a half years into our production. So we know our logline. Right. Our logline is this and and you know, I read the logline for Bow and it's like, oh my God, it sounds really similar. Parent-child relationship about food. It's pretty much that. Um, so yeah, at first I was like, oh, I did feel a little uncomfortable, like um, having to to finish this film if it's, you know, something that's so similar, you know? Because mm-hmm. um, as, as an artist, you want to you show a unique perspective or a message, right? Definitely. Um, but then, I mean, you know, if you see about and our story is totally it's totally different. So that's good in the first place. Yeah. Um, I remember Andrea. So we had a friend at Pixar, and she was she and I told her I was like, oh my god, they're the. She's like, no, they're not the same. And I was like, are you sure? And she's like, yeah, they're not the same. Like, don't don't worry about it. And I was like, right. okay. But also, I mean, I think Amy has a really great perspective on on you know, on this topic. So you want to <laughs> take it away? Well, I think. It depends on how you ask, like, oh, why did you keep on... I think questions people usually ask is like, oh, are your films really similar to Bao? I'm like, yes, because they share the same things, themes, right? 
at least on a high level on a high level asian asian american family food yeah yeah exactly but i think when people ask like why did you keep on going that's when i want to ask them questions like where is that question coming from and so i think when people ask that question it usually comes from a place of like why is your story valid enough to be told Mm. um and i i remember actually distinctly like one of our interviewees like asked us a question like oh your story seemed like she actually saw the animatic and she's like oh your story is so similar to bao like why do you want to keep making this and she asked that three times in the interview Mm -hmm. uh and um and i think it comes from a place where you don't get people asking you know if a cowboy film comes out we don't ask questions of like oh why are they making another cowboy film we're like yeah awesome more cowboys more guns more horses but when it comes to chinese american film uh we get asked like oh why are you making a film because bao already exists Mm -hmm. so why are you making let's eat and that's in a way kind of like frustrating because it's like oh why don't we get to tell our story about Asian Americans or from our perspective, right? Because I feel like for a lot of um, minority groups or marginalized groups, like being Asian, uh, being queer, you know, being like poor or, you know, or whatever, uh, I feel like we have a lot of tropes associated with like being Asian or like being Chinese, being uh, Indian, being, you know, queer or being a black dude that, you know, gets killed first in like the horror films, right? We have those tropes where we fulfill. And... So in mainstream media, I feel like we're brainwashed to think that that is the only thing we have going for us. Mm-hmm. Rather than like, you know, instead of being people who happen to be Chinese and happen to place a lot of value in our culture and in our heritage and in our food, why don't we get to tell stories that, you know, not only do we get to tell that about ourselves, but also go beyond that and tell our stories about our humanity why not from Chinese perspective? Why does it have to be white or mainstream? Interesting. Yeah. So I think uh, a a lot of people are not open, I guess, to more Asian American films or, you know, like Asian stories, Asian American stories. I think, yeah, just like you said, like when when people think of cowboys or they think of like, you know, maybe sci-fi movies, right? Yeah. Sci-fi, sci-fi TV shows, rom-coms. Yeah. There's so many. And I think like if another crazy rich Asian, you know, another rom-com that's like Asian related, then, you know, people be like, Oh, they're comparing to already crazy rich Asians. Exactly. Why are making other ones? Like, well, this crazy, this like these Asians are like, you know, in Brooklyn or something. And like, it's about like how they bond over hip hop and stuff like that. It's like, that's different. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I can definitely see, people really um criticizing because they're they're not used to asian american films coming out or anything like that yeah so so that's why we're here right we're here to make more content so that it's not like you know like um you we're used to seeing tiger moms on tv you know we actually got that question at one of our screenings like why was our why was ma not a tiger mom Mm. Yeah, so there's much more moms out there that that are not tiger moms, and oh, yeah, exactly. So I think that, it's a matter of just ex- more exposure of, for of these stories, and that's why we're here. that's our mission. 
For sure. That, that's actually um, a criticism that I've heard people say of Crazy Rich Asian because the mom wasn't Tiger Mom enough. Wasn't like. But you right? have to ask yourself, like, why, why does she have to be a Tiger Mom? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, most moms are not. Like, my mom wasn't a Tiger Mom. I mean, she cared about my grades, but, like, not to the point where, like, that one book that came out about, like, you know, like, yeah, like, like the extreme extremities of, of, of like, Asians being tiger moms, like that's that's not normal. It's not everybody. Yeah, my mom wasn't like that. Yeah, and your mom, mom wasn't like that. <laughs> exactly. So I, I think a lot of people, like you, again, like you said, they just have these preconceived notions of what an Asian story should be like, and yeah, it's... like they be fall into these tropes, and that's like that's all we are, right? That's mm-hmm. like how we need to sell ourselves. But it's like no, no, like that we deserve. Like it's like that. Those are you know great like characters and stuff but we're so much we can be so much more than that mm. and we just like there's like a billion chinese people you know yeah yeah <laughs> it has all, to be more if, than one story if there's like if there's like all, like all chinese all moms are all tiger moms like damn <laughs> <laughs> yeah that would be a little too much i think yeah there's so many moms out there there's so much complexity and i think they should all be told yeah yeah for sure and so in dixon what um, is your goal when you you know what is your goal for releasing Let's Eat? Seems like Amy really has this passion to tell a different story. Sure. Um, do you have anything different? Uh, no, it's it's similar. Um, uh, but one thing probably is I I think I like to tell stories that have an impact on s- somebody. So someone to watch this and go, oh, okay, um, like the message, and mm-hmm. they might think of they their perspective may may shift and. Maybe it'll, it'll create an impact. That would be, like, that'd be incredible. You know, that we can tell a story that actually can impact someone's perspective for the good. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, it's it's very cool that you both are using your talents to help tell a story, help provide a positive message, and that's why kind of hope to do with this podcast. You know, <laughs> yeah, uh, tell people stories, but also. Have people be open-minded learn from my guests and especially for you get from you guys like you both um are working on something that's multi-year that's you know you you've both gone through a lot of ups and downs uh especially with the screening and all of that and um a lot of people would learn a lot from you guys so yeah cool. we could talk for hours <laughs> <laughs> in terms of what's next what what do you get what do you have planned <laughs> this is mine. This is yours. Okay. Uh, well, for Let's Eat, uh, we plan on full wrapping the film and mm. then going to film festivals. And the goal is to get Oscar shortlisted. I feel pretty confident about it uh, as long as timing is right. Um, what and is then that? Huh, Oscar what? shortlisted. So, you know, uh, this Oscar nominated, mm-hmm. Oscar shortlisted is the list before that. So, there's oh, about 100 cool. films that get chosen. And then those are potential to be nominated. Wow, never, yeah. never heard of that. Okay. Yeah, so that, yeah, pretty dope. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, so pretty stoked about that. Uh, and then, but beyond that, for Animal Studios, currently we are actually in progress of working on pitches within the team. So we're setting up the new, the next generation of films or content from Animal Studios. Oh. Yeah. Will you be working on it in parallel or just after Let's Eat is done? We'll see. 
it depends on how things how well things go and if you find the right pitch find the right director or producer or for whatever content that's being created we'll see how it goes but hopefully if it can happen in parallel i would love for that to happen because the sooner it can start the better for sure for sure great and anything else you wanted to talk about you wanted the audience to know about animal studios Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. What, what is the handle? Uh, I believe for Instagram it is at Let's Eat Short Film, and then it's the same for Facebook and Twitter as well. Okay. Yeah, and it'd be awesome if uh, once our film gets into the- theaters, you guys can check it out and watch it. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully that'd be awesome. You know, have, feel some things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Call your mom afterwards. <laughs> I probably will too. <laughs> Thank you very much for being on my podcast. I really hope you guys enjoyed your time here. Yeah, it was oh, awesome. It was fun. It was fun. Yeah. yeah. Cool. cool. Yeah, so. Cool. <laughs> Thank job. you. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, it was so fun.